Hey there, who wants to be more blessed? I do. This is the Something to Bless podcast. And on this show, we are going to talk all things faith, mindset, and behaviors. If I'm speaking your language, stick around. If we want to be more blessed, we got to give God something to work with. And I'm going to help you to do just that. Let's get into it. Well, hello there. Welcome back. It's Barbara Gian at barbaragian.com. And I hope you guys are all doing amazing. Today, I am sharing my good friend, Dr. Carrie Mengi, with all of you. And she is coming on here to share her story, her testimony of not just surviving um, some really tough things in her life, but of overcoming and conquering and being victorious. And so I always like to hear when people have these things in their life that have happened to them that could have easily taken them out for the long haul, but didn't have that power over them because of their faith and their own perseverance. So I'm excited for you guys to hear from her. Before we get to that, I do want to say thank you to our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by the Today I Am Grateful Gratitude Journal. This is a 90-day journal that I personally use every day to build my gratitude muscle. It takes just a few minutes. It is the perfect gift. It's nice and lightweight. You can take it wherever you go. And it is in the show notes. You can pick it up on Amazon. And I want to remind you to subscribe if you haven't. Press that little plus sign so you can get notifications every time a new show comes out, which is every other week now. And leave a rating and a review. So five stars, and then just write a few words. Let me know what you're thinking, what you're liking and enjoying about the show. And it helps me and it helps other people who are looking for a good show to put on their list. So go ahead and do that. And I will say thank you in advance. All right, guys, we are ready. Let's jump in and listen in to my conversation with Dr. Carrie Minky. Yay. Okay, we made it. I'm so glad. And I'm so glad that we were able to make this time because we almost didn't, but we're here. And I'm so happy to have you. So thank you for making the time and for joining us. And um, I'm excited to share you with my listeners because I know you have a lot to share. Yeah, I'm glad this worked out. (laughs) Yes, we made it happen. So I always like to give the listeners a little bit of background on how we met and how we know each other. And you and I met at a networking event. uh, Just, I think, I don't know about you, but I think that was probably the last time I went to that particular networking group. And we connected because we were both coaches. I had just finished my coaching certification. and was just kind of digging my feet in. And so we connected on that. And then, you know, we met and I got to know a little bit more about you and hear tidbits about your bigger story, and you have so much depth and dimension to you. We have a lot to cover in a little bit of time, but I'm going to try to get to as much as possible. So, and what I'm so excited about is that now I get to join you on the cadre team, which is a, and you can probably describe it and explain it better than I can, but it's a wellness platform or wellness. You you tell me, let me me just stop right there. You say what it is. (laughs) That's okay. No, it's fun to hear other people describe it uh, to see if if I've explained it well enough. So cadre is an 
all-encompassing wellness platform with video content from people with lived experiences. And it's just so powerful to, to hear the stories that somebody else has maybe been through something similar to you. And then we also have a coaching division within Cadre. So you can work with people one-on-one in group settings, you know, if you are struggling with something in life. So it's just an incredible opportunity that was presented to me. And I'm so grateful to be a part of it. And then to now partner with you on it. Yeah. And that was one thing that I noticed right away, what you said in the beginning about people who have lived through real experiences and get to use that to help others and to impact others. Because when you go on the the app right now, it's those people showing up and speaking from those experiences. And that always makes a big difference when you can speak on what you know firsthand through your own, you know, living through it then it's just that much more powerful. So I love what the team is doing and I'm excited to be a part of it. So before coaching, pre-coaching, I know you were in the medical field and I am super fascinated by that. And you're also an author and a speaker. You have a lot going on. And I know that the author and speaker part of you is also um stems from your your life experience. So we'll talk about that, which I I can't wait to get into that. But I want to know more about your nursing uh, experience. So where, how long, why, and then why did you decide to leave it? Yeah, that's a great question. So my my nursing career took just kind of a few different turns I never really expected, but I ended up switching careers and becoming a nurse because of a life experience I went through when I was 21 and didn't really know what I wanted to do in nursing. I thought I wanted to maybe work in the ICU with really sick patients and just being able to provide that detailed care. And I actually ended up working in the ER. And God knew that was the best plan for me because I can handle the trauma that other people have been through because of what I've been through in my life and really just know how to be there for them on the worst day of their life. And so I worked in the ER, a couple of different ERs, um, one in Philadelphia, one in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and it was just kind of my home for a long time. And then I thought, you know, I just, I want to be able to make more of a difference here than just the interaction with my patients. Like I, I see so many gaps that we can address at the system level. And I started looking into grad school and found there was actually a profession for this as an advanced practice nurse. I had never even heard of it before, but I, I in, interviewed a couple of clinical nurse specialists and I thought, oh my gosh, this is like a person, like a, a like total fit for my personality. I just couldn't believe it because as a clinical nurse specialist, you have the opportunity to work like a nurse practitioner as a, you know, practitioner taking care of patients, diagnosing, prescribing. And then you also can do system level projects and changes and quality improvement. And so it's a really broad role with a lot of opportunities. And so I went that route and graduated in 2017 with my doctorate in nursing and went right into a job that actually wasn't the ER, which was super fun because I got to see kind of what the rest of the hospital was like and then eventually moved into what I thought was my dream job as an ER clinical nurse specialist. God had other plans for me beyond that, but um, it actually was the, the job that moved me to San Diego. And I've just been obedient this whole time of like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? If you want me to go somewhere else, if you want me to do something else, I'll do that. But the best part of my job was 
the fact that I got to to make the the change on a, a big level and really support the nurses in my capacity so I could see what they were struggling with, the frustrations they had, and I could then implement changes to make their jobs easier, to make things safer for the patient, and really just kind of like see that trickle-down effect of what I was able to do. So it was just such a rewarding career. I'm so grateful I got to do that. Yeah. I mean, I always think about nurses and nurses in particular, because I've been a patient several times. I've had a few major surgeries. And and then, of course, when we went through COVID, I knew the burden that they faced. And I think there are some certain careers that people, I mean, I, I know that we honor our nurses in our healthcare, healthcare field, but I don't know. I just feel like on a day-to-day basis, nurses and other people um, like first responders, and I'm going to talk about that too, because I saw a post that you made, but they face a lot, a mm-hmm. lot on a, on a daily basis. And we don't always think about that and realize the impact. And so for you to be in a position where you can see that from a different angle from when you first started is, is amazing. And it, I'm sure, contributed a lot to where you are right now, what you're still doing today, even though you're no longer directly in that field. You know, it's so funny you say that because I will tell my clients now that I work as a life coach, there's literally nothing you can say that would shock me because I've seen it all. I really have. I've seen, you know, the worst of the worst kind of traumas come into the ER, the, you know, the worst emotional traumas. And there's, there's really nothing that can to shake me after seeing that kind of stuff. So it really has helped me be a better and more responsive, you know, to my clients as a life coach. Yeah. And you know what? You just triggered a thought for me. Is there, because I've heard this before that, you know, you do have to have thick skin. Like I, I know I'm not built for that kind of exposure to trauma. I, I just, I'm not I'm too, too weak for all that. Is there a point also where nurses and people in that profession um, almost become desensitized because you have to, to protect yourself? Or how does that work? 100%. I remember reading a review um, of a patient who said the nurses were laughing and we were dealing with this horrific trauma. And I heard them laughing at the nurse's station and it broke my heart to think that we were laughing because we weren't being sensitive. But you kind of have to get this jaded sense of humor in order to go home and sleep at the end of the night after you see that kind of stuff. And I know for me, there was a definite burnout phase. It, it happened pretty quickly on in the ER. I was also working as a sexual assault nurse examiner doing forensic oh, yeah. evidence collection. So I was I was kind of exposing myself to quite a bit vicarious trauma, but there's definitely a burnout period that you have to be really mindful of and just just know that like it's okay if you need to take a break. It's it's a it's a hard profession. I do think certain people are drawn to it that you know have yeah. that quote, thick skin, but it still takes a toll on you because that's just not normal stuff that your brain can process every day. Yeah. We're human. At the end of the day, we are all human. Is there support in place? Do you feel like for a lot of nurses or? Not necessarily at the places that I worked. I think, I think the, the areas where we lack the most support are just the demands of 
kind of like not that the hospital leadership has anything to do with it, but just the demands of short staffing and asking you to pick up more shifts and work doubles and that you just really don't get the break that you need. I think just the the inherent demands of the job and what has happened in the healthcare industry in the last three years has made it so people get burnt out that much quicker because there is support, you know, there is EAP programs and things like that, that you can take advantage of, but just the constant demands kind of usurps that, Mm -hmm. you know, going to get that help that you need. Wow. So you said that when you were, you became a nurse at 21. I had a life experience at 21 that made me think I want to do something different. So I actually became a nurse at 26. I'm 26 because it takes some time. That's Mm -hmm. true. Yeah. I'm not the best person at math here. Um, (laughs) Okay. So still very young, right? And before your life experience, did you know what you wanted to do? Was there something else that you thought you might be heading into? I actually had a bachelor's degree in math. and. Can you tutor my son and baby me? That was my first degree. And math was just a a fun, easy subject. My whole family's math majors. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to work in sales. And I was always drawn to the healthcare field. Like I thought pharmaceutical sales, medical sales, that sounds really fun. But I wasn't quite sure like really what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to teach math or, you know, do an actuary accountant, like a desk job. I knew I didn't want to do that, but I wasn't quite sure to what capacity I wanted to use that degree. Interesting. Very interesting. I love when I hear that females especially are strong in subjects like math and science because we don't hear it enough, I don't think. Definitely not my subject, but that's okay. I don't I don't need it for what I do too much. So, it, you know, everybody has a story. Um, but not everybody has the same level of traumas or experiences that are traumatic and that also come with a story of of overcoming, right? And I know that for you, you do. So would you mind taking us into some of the things um, that led you into this path of, of serving others through nursing? Sure. So when I was 21, it was between my junior and senior years of college. So I already you know, knew I was graduating with my math degree. I was kind of on that trajectory. I was stranger raped, stabbed and kidnapped. And it was, you know, obviously just a victim of opportunity. It was a freak thing that nobody ever anticipates experiencing in life. And it threw me into quite the spiral. I went through PTSD pretty severely. I struggled to walk outside in the middle of the day. I didn't know what was safe, what was unsafe. It completely just turned my world upside down. And I ended up somehow graduating. I I really did struggle with school that last senior year. And then just, you know, started working in a job, but I thought this isn't fulfilling. I feel like there's a calling on my life. There's a reason I'm, I'm alive. And it's, it's, I didn't even have this realization until about a year ago when I said to someone, why do people get so just like, they, they look like they're looking at a ghost when I tell them my story. And my friend said, because they kind of are Carrie, like not many people live to share that story. 
and you are literally standing in front of them telling you you went through this thing and you almost died. And I had I had never made that connection because it's such a shock story for people. And they look at me like, how are you standing here? But I realized that there must be some calling on my life if I'm still alive. And I needed to figure out what that was. And that's what ended up drawing me into nursing and wanting to help other people. I mean, yeah, when you, I've, like I said at the beginning, I've heard some parts of your story. Don't think I've ever heard you just say what it was that happened to you like that. And it is shocking. And it's, it is even more, it's because it takes, you know, a, a little bit of time to process like, oh my gosh, like that is so awful, so terrible. And then you, you were in school at the time. I mean, you're, and you're dealing with this extreme PTSD and you're still able somehow, well, by the will of God, you know, you and I are both believers and can attribute all of this to him to push through, to finish and to keep going. And you're still going and, and you're doing so many different things with it to help others. And this is actually your coaching platform, right? Yes, it is. Um, It's helping people who have been through trauma and focusing on how that trauma impacts their life. So I know for me, this definitely impacted my ability to have healthy relationships for many years. And so I focus on how does the trauma you've been through in your life really show up in your relationships? That's that's kind of the, the niche I work with in coaching. Yeah. Can we talk about your relationships? Like how did it affect your relationships? Yeah. So when you've been through something like that, it, it physiologically changes your brain and you, you start to go through shame, self-worth issues. You know, you're just, you're just trying to survive when you've been through trauma and you live in just this survival mode. So you don't really go after the the best in life. You don't really say, you know what? I think I deserve someone that treats me well. You, your, your standards change because you're just surviving when you've been through trauma. And I ended up kind of looking for someone to rescue me mm-hmm. and to just take care of me because I was in such a fragile state. And I know that's why I ended up picking someone who was actually abusive in the end because I, I basically made him an idol. I made him, you know, he's my caretaker. He's my everything. And when you put that kind of demands on someone, it just switches the dynamic to being quite unhealthy. And so I know that I had some codependent patterns in that way and just didn't really think, you know, what do I want in life? And can I deserve better than this? I just went with the first thing that was there. So I actually met my ex-husband when I was 23, just two years after I was assaulted and got married right after nursing school. So at age 26 and the abuse was already going on before we were even married. And I knew there were red flags and I just ignored them and thought, well, this is as good as my life's going to get. And it took, it took a lot of years to recover from that and really kind of figure out my self-worth. And it probably started honestly only about three or four years ago. I got divorced at age 30 and thankfully, thankfully I did because I think one of us would probably be dead at this point. I mean, it was just really that unhealthy and for both of us, for him as well. And I had to learn what it means to be, uh, you know, my own healthy person before entering into 
a relationship because two unhealthy people makes a very unhealthy relationship. So I had to do the work on myself. And that's one of the things I, I help women understand when I coach them is this isn't about picking the right dating app. This isn't about you know, fixing your husband. This is about you becoming the healthiest version of yourself because that's what's going to trickle into your relationship. Well, that's good that you said that. That was actually a question I had to ask you uh, at some point is what's one thing that you want women to know about what is required of them as they choose their relationships? And you just said that it's uh, becoming the healthiest version of yourself, right? Yes. And just really learning to love who you are. Most of the women I work with have this, this layer of you know, just unworthiness and really just disliking who they see when they look in the mirror. And it's helping them see the woman that God designed and loving themselves first before they can be, you know, in a committed, loving relationship. I know that's such a cliche phrase, like you have to love yourself before you can love others. But it's so true. You have to be able to love and appreciate the person you are before you can then enter into a relationship and and give to someone else. It's very true because how, I know we do hear it a lot. How can you possibly show up and, and be good in your relationship if you don't feel good about yourself? It just, it doesn't happen. It doesn't work. Exactly. So you mentioned your faith in God and, and I wanted to know a little bit about your background. Did you grow up um, in the church or with faith in your family or if not, when did you come to believe I did grow up in church. We were very involved in church growing up, and I've had a a few periods of my life where I went pretty far from the Lord. One of them was after my sexual assault experience. I I just thought, how can there be a God that allows these things to happen? And I was really angry, and I decided I didn't believe in him anymore. And it was a couple years until I was able to come back and say, all right, I understand now that And this actually, somebody said this to me, and that's what kind of like started triggering these thoughts of, okay, maybe my perception of God isn't quite accurate because God didn't allow that to happen to me. He didn't make that happen to me. And the God that loves me was there with me during that experience. And he didn't want to see his daughter get hurt. And so that really transformed my belief about God being a loving God. So I I did come back to the Lord after my divorce. I went another direction and went and went kind of far away as well. I was, you know, still practicing my faith and going to church, but I wasn't living the life. And so God's really just had me on a journey. He's always been there this whole time as I've been far away and as I've been close, but it's it's been a journey and I I would never judge someone for falling away from God because I know what it's like and I know what it takes to do it. But I also know that God keeps pursuing and he doesn't give up on us when we we stray far away. Yeah, it always breaks my heart when I know that people are believers and then they do fall away because it's, you know, it's even even more difficult when you're away from God and when you're separated. Mm-hmm. But I also get that there are such horrible things in life that happen to people. Um, one of the things that I always think about because it's happened in my own family is when somebody loses their child, it's like, how unbearable is that? And how, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't blame people for asking why or being upset that it happened. And, and we, you know, we say God is an almighty God. He's in control of everything. So if he's in control of everything, 
why or how does he allow such awful things to happen? And I know for me, my response is like, I don't know. I don't know all the answers, but I do know that God is faithful. He loves us and he works everything for good. And at some point in the end, he's bringing everything back together for our good. And it's, it's all good. And that's, you know, that's probably the best answer I can give because I don't know. We don't know why. That's so true. I, I always tell people who ask me, like, they, they question how I can believe in God based on what I've been through. And I just say, I got a list of questions for when I get there. I don't, I don't have it all figured out, but I got a list of questions for him that I'm probably not going to understand while I'm on earth. But I have seen how God uses everything for the good. That verse has like, been true in my life because yeah. I've said, okay, God, I know you didn't want me to get hurt, but if you use me to help other people, if you use me to make you know turn this around, the blessings that have come in my life as a result of just allowing God to use it for good have been unimaginable. I, I never, ever imagined I would be where I am today, having written a book in an extremely healthy relationship with a man that's that's beyond my wildest dreams. Aww. And so you you just, you have to sit back and like with awe and say, okay, God, I see it now. I see it now. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to, you got to hang in there, be resilient and trust and, and just see the fruit of, of all the things come together um, by hanging in exactly. there and persevering. That's actually my word of the week. I say, um, yes. And I saw your boo. He's a cutie. He's a keeper. Is he, he's stationed uh, in Japan right now. Yes, he is. He's deployed right now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you, you got a little bit of separation, but you'll be back together. Before yes. you know it. So will you mentioned that, um, you kind of came to a new awareness um, toward the end of your marriage. You decided to get a divorce. When, at what point did you really kind of wake up or realize like, this is not right. This is not good for me anymore. I have to make a decision. And and by the way, like just even deciding to to follow through with a divorce, that alone is a huge and heavy decision. So um, I want to honor that. But when did you start seeking help for yourself after your trauma what how and and what things did you turn to for help that's a lot of questions and, <laughs> and I, my brain goes one way and then it goes another so i don't have <laughs> this perfect little love story about how i you know rose up and said i'm going to find someone who treats me well, I'm going to take a different path. That's not exactly how I chose to do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I actually, it was, it was just literally one day on my birthday in January when I snapped and I said, I'm done with my marriage. And it was a trigger that reminded me that I had been trying to work at my marriage. We'd been in counseling for two years already of our two, three-year marriage. And there was um, not a lot of ownership on his part for the, the parts that he was playing to make our relationship unhealthy and just not moving anywhere and getting worse and worse. And I, I snapped and I said, I can't do it anymore. I can't work at this anymore. I have been the only one working. And I don't like that answer because I don't believe in divorce. I don't believe in taking that as a cop-out. 
and saying, well, I'm just giving up now because it's, it's funny when I was going through premarital with my fiance, he said, you two having both been divorced in the past are the strongest believers in marriage that I counsel Ooh. because he said, and I don't understand because you both have been divorced. And we both said, well, neither of us actually wanted that ending. But I, I did snap and I said, I can't do this anymore. And then I chose a really destructive path out of there. So I ended up having an affair, which was the most shameful thing I've probably ever done, especially since it so impacts other people. It's not like you're just hurting yourself. You're hurting so many people in the process. And I, I used that as my way to get out because I almost needed a a way out because I didn't think there actually was a way out of my marriage. So I use that as my excuse and I use that as my way to, to find, you know, freedom from the marriage. And then that's what actually ended up causing kind of my destructive pattern for the next couple of years and just being really far away from God's plan for me. So I had a lot of healing to do from that. And most of it was the fact that I didn't think I even deserved to walk into a church again because I had done something so horrific. Nobody chooses to do those things. Nobody chooses to become addicted to a substance or, you know, have an affair. Like those are not like conscious choices. You wake up one day and say, I'm going to do this. It's usually a coping strategy. And then you get kind of sucked in and you get you know, addicted to whatever that thing is that you're using. And that's really what it was for me. It became an addiction. And I went really far, really far. And uh, thankfully, God kept pursuing me. And I had to come to terms with that and really find just an appreciation for the, the, the form of forgiveness for other people and myself. So it was really through that journey that I was able to come back around and kind of start like living more of a fruitful life. And um, so it was through my own healing journey then that I was able to say, okay, I see that there's ways out of these things and I want to be able to help other people who are in that place. So I don't know if that answers your question because you asked a couple you, questions and I was like, it goes a couple different ways. <laughs> no, I think you totally answered it because your first response was, it was on my birthday and I just snapped. I had an awareness. I had this thought, like I knew I was done. That that's that was the defining moment for you. Um, I was also wondering if you pursued, you said you did counseling, which is great. You made that effort. Um, did you do what did you do any coaching? Did you do any solo therapy or anything like that to help you along the way? I did actually. I did quite a bit of counseling and when you when you grow up with the personality that you are not very vulnerable and you don't really let people in and then you go through trauma, you close off even more. And so it finally took one therapist basically telling me like, I'm not going to judge you if you start crying. Mm-hmm. Like I'd never cried in front of another human being. Like as an adult. And I never like let emotion come out. And it finally took one therapist giving me that permission and working with me that started changing and helping me realize, oh my gosh, I can forgive myself. I can deserve better than this in life. I, I can choose to live a different life right now, even though I have been through a lot of stuff. Wow, that I, that's relatable to me because I I have grown up with um, 
more like gradual trauma growing up as a kid and, and teenager and then young adult. And then in my own relationship, there's been different things throughout life that have caused me to, to be tough, have a, have that tough toughness or at least on the outside anyway. And I'm, I'm, I don't like being vulnerable. I don't. And now with my faith, I, I'm very, um, I feel very free, very at peace. I'm good. But I have noticed that about myself too. I've, I, I've always had some sort of wall that I've kept up. And now I know better. I know that that was a protect, protective mechanism, right? It was a way to protect myself. And I'm not emotional either. Give me a commercial or like something, you know, that's bittersweet, then I'll cry my head off. But when when it comes to engaging in an intimate conversation with somebody, I, yeah, I won't let up e very easily either. That's just how... I think I've built myself up to be from what I've been through. So I can relate to some of that. I want to go yeah. back to something you said you were just talking about before this, when it uh, you were talking about uh, people not making the choice to get into certain things like addictions and certain behaviors that are sinful. It reminds me of a verse. Um, it, it's, it's something about stay alert, stay sober of mind because the devil is always lurking right? And he always is looking for opportunities to creep in and take over. Do you know what verse I'm talking about? It's yes. Yeah. It just reminds me of that because you were in this unhealthy marriage, right? And so the enemy's lurking. He knows he sees he's aware. He is just waiting to pounce, right? So you kind of felt like you needed a way out, a, a more compelling reason to get out quicker. And so I believe that that's what the enemy does. He sees it, he's aware of it, and he swoops in. And Absolutely. he kind of starts leading you in all these different ways that are further and further away from God. And so it only makes Absolutely. sense. Yeah. And, and people who uh, struggle with, you know, let's just say an alcohol addiction, you can't say that it just happened. I... I don't know. It wasn't a choice. No, it's an act of choice the first time. Right. After that, it becomes less of a choice because you are now just sucked in under like the devil's spell. But that first time is a choice. And I distinctly remember that first time I engaged in the affair. And it was an act of choice that I made in that moment to decide I'm going to follow what the devil wants me to do. Because right now he's waiting for me to just fall. He's waiting for me to just sign up with his agenda that's going to cause destruction in my life. And I made that choice. And that's not to say that I should be condemned and never forgiven. God obviously has the grace to forgive me for that choice. But that's that's how easily it can happen. It's just one choice that you say, all right, devil, I'll go with your plan. And it's yeah. when we're vulnerable when that happens. Yeah. And and this is why as a as a mom, I'm always trying to instill in my son and my girls, but they're they're older and on their own, but I still messages for everybody. Um, to this is why it's so important to draw close to God every day, all the time, and know his word, equip yourself with his word, because the more that you do that, the more protection you're going to have in life. Because these things are gonna they're gonna come up. It's we're living in this world, right? And all these things are happening around us and tempting us. And um, sometimes we don't even have the eyes to see it. But if if you are grounded in the word of God, you can you can see things for what they are. You you see with a whole different 
lens or through a whole different lens. And so that's uh, one thing I'm always trying to help my son as he is growing up in the teenage years. Ugh, these are not my favorite years. Um, but just planting that seed of be alert, be aware, you're going to face this and this and this, but those are not of God. Like you got to be aware of what the enemy is trying to do and trying to make happen in your life, in, in your spirit. So, yeah, I think it's also just so sneaky. Sometimes we don't even recognize it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've obviously done a lot of healing and I, I don't have that temptation right now to cheat on my fiance while he's deployed. I've, I've overcome that temptation, but the devil will use other techniques and oh, it yeah. sometimes gets so sneaky. Like, well, if he misses our time to chat on the phone, are you going to go straight to fear and rejection and be angry with him? Mm -hmm. The enemy would love to divide us during this time apart. And so it's just being on guard for those, those little sneaky attacks too. Oh, yeah. I love that you said that because it's so true. Like in my marriage, like any little thing, if it's a small aggravation or a small annoyance, I'm like, Oh wait, this is the enemy. You know, it could be really small. I mean, I'm talking about like my husband leaving something out and I'll start cursing him under my breath. And then I'm like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, <laughs> take it easy. Like that's not necessary. And that's not of God. That's not love. That's not okay. So yeah, really important to just, to just know the difference and be aware of it. Yeah. I actually have this friend who said that whenever my wife and I argue, we sit on the same side of the couch because we want to show the enemy that we're on the same team. Oh, I like Whenever that. we're going to have a discussion. I loved that because it's recognizing that you and your partner are on the same team and you're against the enemy together. And so when the enemy wants to divide you saying, nope, I'm taking a stand right now. And I'm going to say, I'm on the same team as that person. I see what you're doing. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stop right now, this cursing under my breath and say, nope, I'm going to, I'm going to forgive in this moment and choose love. I like that. I'm going to start sitting on my husband's lap and take it up to the next <laughs> level. And see what it is. <laughs> well, let's talk about your book. So you wrote, did you write a book or do you have multiple books? I wrote a book. I am working on the second one. Mm -hmm. The The book is such a funny story. I don't consider myself a writer at all. I don't think that that's my strong suit. I'd much rather speak in front of an audience. Well, I and, can handle that for you the next time. So you just let me know. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> you can help with the second one. And I started sharing my sexual assault story nine years ago. I started getting asked to speak about it. And it's funny because I didn't even have that many memories of the event, but the memories started coming back the more I was speaking about it. And I'd get asked to speak again and again. And so many people told me, you should write a book. You have such a compelling story, an overcoming story. And I thought, oh, gosh, I'm not a writer. And then I said, all right, God, if you want me to write a book, you're going to have to give me the skills. You're going to have to give me the resources. You're going to have to give me an ending too, because I just thought, I don't even know how to end this story. You know, do I go into the the marriage portion? Do I leave it as just the sexual assault? I just, I didn't even yeah. know where to begin. And God then gave me an ending and it was, it wrapped it up with a little bow and it was just the easiest thing to sit down and write. And then I boom, got it published. It, it was just, it was just like so seamless and people contact me all the time. How do you write a book? I'm like, I, you got to just ask God for help because uh -huh. I, I, it just the doors just opened where they yeah. needed to. It was just it was so beautiful the way it came about. See, that's what I love about just walking with God is 
we never have to worry or know the how. Like he just brings things together. And when we're constantly coming before him and coming to him and and asking in his will, it's his will. Like there's nothing or nobody who can stop that. So he's going to make happen what he wants to make happen in our lives. Yes. I love that. And you speak, you go around speaking. And um, I know that we're on a, on a hard stop here pretty soon, but um, I wanted to talk about you had a post because I know you go around speaking to different groups. Is there a particular group that you speak to the most or is it pretty open or how does that work? I actually choose to speak to first responders most, which is funny because I've never worked as one, but that opportunity presented itself and I realized just how much they need it. Most of the topics I present on are mental health related, given just my experiences and my my expertise. I've I've done a few projects for the hospital as well that focus on suicide prevention, you know, just things like that. And so I speak on mental health and they don't get that kind of training. They don't, you know, they interact with a lot of people that are struggling with a mental health crisis when a first responder responds to the scene and they often don't get that kind of education of how do I interact with them? How do I, you know, I share my personal sexual assault story and they're just riveted by how do I as a male paramedic interact with a female that's just been through that? So they just appreciate that lived experience. So they're my favorite audience to speak to because they just soak up everything I say on the mental health topics. That is so amazing. I I've shared this on my podcast before that I pray for a lot of people, but, but I pray for first responders, law enforcement, people in healthcare and different other other groups that I just feel are exposed to so much on a daily basis and have so much pressure and burden and trauma that we may not always remember or think about. And they just need to be covered in prayer. And one of the things, my husband was in law enforcement for 20 years. Um, he worked in the jails. And one of the things that, that comes up anytime we hear about, you know, an office, a bad behavior by an officer or whatever, is that like there is not designated ongoing training given to the people in these fields. Mm-hmm. And so it's such a desperate need that they have. And like you say, they they show seem to appreciate because they don't have it. Yes. So for you to be able to go and speak to them. Yeah. I, that was the post I was referring to. You had something on um, Instagram that you were, you were heading out to speak to first responders on suicide prevention. And I, and I actually wondered if that was for what they are dealing with um, on a personal level or what they're dealing with as, as a first responder with others? It's actually both. Yeah. I would so imagine so. Now that I kind of have, you know, these conferences I go to every year, I go to a few, I've asked people, what topics do you not have? What topics would you like me to speak on? And that was actually a recommendation. Suicide assessments, prevention for not only like, how do we do that with the patients on scene, but how do we do that in our own teams? Because I've, you know, this one guy was telling me, I have a coworker that I know is really struggling. And I'd like to know, how do I ask those questions? How do I get him the help that he needs? So it's actually for both. And so there's an evidence-based assessment that I implemented hospital-wide. It's a really great tool that I'm going to train them on that they can use with patients and with each other. Oh, good. Yeah, because I saw a segment not too long ago about the suicide rate among border agent, border patrol agents. And 
a few of their wives were on this show I was watching and they were of course devastated and crushed about the loss and the prevalence of suicide among the agents. And they when they were explaining that what they see on a regular basis is is too much. Mm-hmm. It it overtakes a lot of people. Could only handle so much in that field. Yes, the suicide rates in police fire, paramedics, EMTs, border patrol, ER, nursing, doctors, military are some of the highest in <sighs> of any population. Just because of the stuff they see and interact with on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah, it just breaks my heart. So I'm so thankful for what you're doing. I think that's going to make a huge impact um and just yeah, it's so needed. Thank well, you. Thank you so much for being here, taking the time. I know you have a busy day ahead of you, but I'm just, I'm so glad to be connected with you on a personal level, friendship level, and um, just to be able to do some of the work that we're doing in the world. I'm just so grateful. So um, is there anything else that I didn't ask or cover that you wanted to share with the listeners? I don't think so. I just want to say thank you and honor you for giving me this opportunity. You know, I've I've asked God, give me opportunities to share my story, to inspire other people, and the opportunities just keep coming. So I'm just so grateful for you to give me the opportunity to share my story and hopefully instill hope in someone else that if you've been through something horrific, you can have an abundant life. You can have good in your life. There is happiness after a trauma. And I just, I hope that I can just continue to share that message with as many people as possible. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Yes, of course. Amen to all of that. And I will be sure to put Carrie's uh, information in the show notes. You can go to her Instagram and you have your own website, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And you can see her book and all her links. So we'll put all of that there for the listeners and uh, reach out. Um, All right. Well, you have a great day and I will be talking to you very soon. Thanks. Take care of the doggy. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye.